Welcome to another edition of Bridging the Gap, where we are looking to help financial advisors and the entire advisor industry bridge the gap between where the industry is today and where our industry and our business will be in the future. We want to ensure we stay up with the trends, stay up with the innovation, and ultimately evolve our businesses to ensure the best experience for our clients in the years to come. Now, I want to start this episode off with a story or just let's go back in time. Not necessarily a story, but something that we can all probably relate to and remember. You know, Have we ever been sitting in our house watching TV or reading a book on with all of the lights and all of a sudden with no heads up or alert on our phone, no notification, no news alert or buzzing sound, all of the power in the house goes out and it's nighttime. It's pitch dark outside. There's no lights outside. The street, the entire street has lost all the power. You're sitting in your house trying to figure out a few things. First, what happened? Why did it happen? How did it happen? What do I need to do now? Do I need to go get a light? Do I get a candle? Do I keep the fridge closed? Do I have everything I need? Are my kids okay? Is my spouse all right? These are things that are going through your head in that situation. And it's a scenario that we actually have all experienced. And because we've experienced it, we actually have this mental checklist that we can go through to resolve it. But if we were to take a second and go back even further in time, when it happened to us the first time, at that point, we were under a little bit more pressure. We didn't know what we needed to do. We didn't understand what was going on. We had to kind of feel our way around our house or our apartment or wherever we were to get to somewhere where we could actually see. We had to feel our way around to go check on our kids. It was a more stressful, more anxiety-driven time. But now that we've experienced it before, we have this mental checklist that we continue to go down that we know what we need to do to ensure that things are okay. And the reason I bring that story up now or I bring that kind of that scenario up today is because the financial advisor industry has been dealt a similar blow to their business that we were dealt our first time we lost power in the middle of the night inside our own house. This was a first of the kind scenario for advisors. Advisors had to react and push forward without a prior checklist of items to check off because in the past it was all market events market-driven events. When the market goes down, market goes up. We're able to understand how to react. Yes, some different things or different events or different macro concepts are causing the market to drive that way. But this was a business-related issue. The pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic, turned the entire industry on its head. And some advisory firms rose to the challenge, while others continue to move forward trying to figure it out and have yet to figure it out. They were slow to adopt, slow to adapt, and they're still trying to figure out how their business looks post-COVID or in the moment of COVID while others were able to figure it out quickly. And why is that? Something that I want to talk about today on this episode of Bridging the Gap. This is Bridging the Gap with your host, Matt Reiner. So a few weeks ago, I was reading an article that was posted by FA Magazine, famag.com. And and I'll share the article in the notes of this podcast because it was really interesting. It was short. It's very brief. You're going to get the gist of it here today on Bridging the Gap. And 
it's something though that is really relevant. It's timely and there's a lot that us as a financial advisory industry can learn and firms can learn from it. And it was a study that was done about how advisors fair during the the recent pandemic. And so it was done by Broad Ridge Financial Solutions, a a study to see how financial advisors held up during the recent pandemic, their books of business, what was the mentality of their firm. And you know, I always talk to advisors about this when we're talking about their business and how to move forward and and how to build a better business and a foundation going forward. And it's times like these that I always point back to. And when we're in the moment, and I was talking to him about it a lot during the pandemic, uh, the height of the pandemic, is don't forget how you're feeling right now. Because the moment that you forget that is the moment we go back to the way that we were doing business. And there's a thing of beauty about what we were feeling in that moment. And, and the beauty of it is with all the fear and the, the challenges that were on the outside is that it led us to be innovative and it led us to think outside the box and led us to adapt and try new things and be quicker at trying new things, quicker to adopt new technologies, quicker to implement new processes. And that's the way that innovation occurs because you're not going to necessarily do it all exactly right the first time. But what you're able to do is you actually get just moving. You just get started, which is the hardest thing to do. And you're then able to iterate and innovate. And that's what the best firms that have made it through the pandemic are doing. And and so in this study, I found a few points interesting. I just want to run down a few of them here uh, that I thought were that were really, really intriguing from this study. First off, 77% of advisors in the recent survey said that they lost business as a result of not having appropriate technology tools to integrate to interact with clients 77% of advisors that means 3 of every 4 we all know math we're financial advisors we get what that means that is staggering and that is over a short period of time because that study was done in June of 2020 so that means that from March call it 13th or 15th through May 31st 75% of advisors lost business because they weren't able to have their practice adapt. And the reason being the technology, the tools that they were providing their clients in this period of time were not adequate for the clients to feel comfortable in that period of time. And of that business that was lost, that accounts for about 22% of their book of business. 22% of their book of business lost in the span of March till let's call it May. You know, that's two and a half months. That is unbelievable how quickly things will change. And I I think that I can look to a McKinsey study, which we'll talk about here in a a second. And one of the main lessons, and I'll I'll kind of preface that, that conversation, is that they talk about how when you're in the moment, it's too late. The time to start creating you know, the change in your firm is when things are good. Just like we talk about with our clients that we talk to them about, you know, time to adjust your plan or your allocation when things are good, not when there's extreme volatility up or down when everybody wants to sell. Let's wait till things bounce back and then we can adjust the portfolio. The same is for a financial advisory firm because our clients are expecting us to be prepared to navigate them through these tough times. And if we too are left sitting there trying to figure it out because we haven't done enough planning in the interim, when things were good, our clients are going to look at us and say, well, what the heck is going on? That's what they entrust us with. And so that number is really staggering to me. And 
yes, it could be every, there's a lot of people out there that say, well, these statistics and these studies and everything of that nature, they can show whatever you want them to show. And, and I agree with that, right? Statistics can show whatever it is that you want them to show. And this could be a smaller sample set relative to everybody and everybody be like, wow, I talked to my buddy down the street and they didn't lose any clients and my other advisor. So this stat doesn't mean anything. I think that the point of this stat is just to keep, to open our eyes to the impact that planning and technology has on our business when things go haywire. And maybe it's not another pandemic and hopefully it's not another COVID-19 pandemic that comes, but it could be, or it could just be another volatile session or period of time. It could be an election, whatever it may be. Your clients want the technology to be enabled when that time comes and not for you to be searching and trying to navigate it you know, for the first time. Another thing that I found was really interesting in that study was regarding communication and specifically communication between older and younger advisors, right? 51% of the younger advisors, the millennial generation advisor reported communicating with their clients on a daily basis. 62% of the elder baby boomer advisors reported communicating with clients monthly or less frequently. So let's take a second. Let's break that down for a second. 51% of the younger advisors were communicating with their clients on a daily basis, right? So one in every two, whereas two in every three baby boomer advisors were basically only communicating with their clients until their quarterly report. And so what this shows is a few things. My takeaway here is, and we'll get dive deeper into it in a little bit, but the millennial generation was finding this opportunity to communicate with their clients in this period of time to handhold them. And there's multiple reasons that we'll talk about that here in a second. 74% of respondents of this study, which were financial advisors, so financial advisors were the respondents of the study, had wished, wished that their firm had access to better technology tools. So whether they're part of an IBD, they're an RIA, they're part of a wirehouse, those advisors that participated in the study wanted their firms to provide them more technology, better technology tools. In this pandemic, brought that and bubbled it up to the top and they were starting to become worried. And then you take it a step further. 51% of the advisors surveyed said they often think about leaving their current firm for one with better technology tools. So now financial advisors are looking at making moves from one firm to another, not necessarily based on just the growth attributes of it or the name, the logo of the firm, but actually the technology tools. Technology is playing more and more a deciding factor. So if you want to differentiate your firm, look at your technology tools as well. And I thought that that was really, really interesting. And so I'll go into the four points that I thought were really interesting regarding you know, some lessons learned from the pandemic. And I can relate with three of the four within this pandemic. First, the nature of disruption rarely allows sufficient time for strategic reaction. That's what I was talking about earlier. The strategic changes that need to be made need to be made prior to the issue arising. And we'll talk a little bit more about that here in a second. Digital capabilities have become central to business continuity. If you are still one of those people that doesn't believe that the digital ecosystem of your firm or the digital tech stack of your firm matters, you're missing the boat. And you're going to miss the boat 
on today and the future. And it's not going to impact your growth of a firm or your revenues or your profit. It's going to impact your capability to attract talent and keep talent as well. The ability to scale up or down quickly is a crucial skill. And that is something that I really want to touch on here and some of the takeaways from, from these readings that I had over the past week. And then physical assets can sometimes be a liability. They mentioned oil as being that aspect. Remember, oil went to negative prices because of everything that was happening in the travel and, and leisure area. So I just think that these takeaways and the stats that came from it is something that we as a financial advisory firm and industry can take away. And so I want to touch on three takeaways here that I think can really help an advisory firm not only lay a more solid foundation today, but start to take the pieces of bridging the gap between where they are today and what we can learn from the pandemic to help bridge us to where this industry is going to be, not only based on just these two articles, but based on just what we're seeing in the ecosystem to ensure that our firm is the best and most efficient and most valuable it can be in the future. So the first thing that I take away here is waiting to create efficiencies is a bad business decision as volatility, economic events, and world events come up. At that time, it is too late to make changes. And we talked about this a little bit. You can't wait until the actual event happens to determine how you want to adjust, whether that is having to move all remote or you know a great recession that leads to needing to communicate and handle requests from all of your clients at once. The disruption happens so quickly that if you're left scrambling, maybe you can hide it for a little bit of time. But if it becomes extended, over more than you know a few days, your clients are going to start to notice that you're just trying to figure it out on the go. And yes, some of them can be accepting of that, but majority of clients going forward are going to continue to expect more and more of their advisors to say, you've dealt with some of these things in the past, although it's different, you should have the tools, you should have the processes in place today to ensure that my situation, my own personal financial situation isn't being put off on the wayside or falling through the cracks. Because you have to think about and put yourself into the shoes of the client. They think about one thing and one thing only, and that's themselves and their own financial situation. And so the moment that you know what hits the fan or the moment that things get a little rocky, they're going to think of one thing and one thing only, and that's their financial future and what the events mean to them. And that is the most important thing. And they want their financial advisor and the perception to be that their financial advisor feels that their own situation, their client situation is the most important thing in the financial advisor's mind at that one point in time. And of course, that's really hard to do when there's a pandemic going or there's a global recession going or whatever it may be because you have other clients and that's the only way that you can build a business. And although clients understand that when they sign up, when things get scary, they revert to the kind of this mentality of just protecting themselves. It's human nature. And so as a financial advisory firm, as a financial advisor, and as an industry, we got to figure out how to position our firms in a way that when those times come, knowing that they will come again, how do we set up the ecosystem and the infrastructure of our firm to enable us to then go and solve for that one thing that we know is going to be the top crystal jewel, crown jewel for our clients, which is they want to know that we're there for them. How do we do that in all these periods of time? How do we adapt our firm to ensure that that never goes by the wayside in these volatile times? And the way to do that is to do it in the good times to where you set up the infrastructure and then you go through a bad time and hopefully you get better during every one of those periods of time. And you iterate, you look back, you learn, you implement into the processes, you fine tune in the good times. And then when another rough period comes through, you're ready to adapt 
and you go forward and you continually learn. That's the learning culture that I talk about that every firm needs to have. You have to have a constant learning culture. The second takeaway I have is younger advisors communicate more with clients. Now, I think that there's there's multiple ways to look at this, right? One way could be that younger advisors are having to communicate because they don't ha- they haven't yet established as deep of relationships. So the relationships are still new. They're still nurturing them. They still have to handhold them. They haven't gone through these periods of time with their clients yet. And so that may make sense, right? So they have to communicate more during this period of time. Whereas the older advisors have established relationships. Their clients have been with them for 10, 15 years. They've experienced some of these things before, whether they experienced the Great Recession with them or other down volatile markets in rough periods of uncertainty in the overall global economy in the world, that may be one way. And so they, their clients, they just understand it, right? They get it. Um, but the thing that I take away from it is that clients still just love to hear from you. Even if you've been with them for 10 years, if you make the assumption that you don't need to communicate effectively or, or constantly with your clients, there's going to be someone out there, whether it's their friend or on the news, that's going to say, hey, my, my advisor sent me this really interesting tidbit during this period of time. I always talk to him, but this was really interesting. It caught me in the moment. It, it helped ease my mind and my worries. It was great. And then the other person would be like, well, my advisor hasn't talked to me. Yeah, I have a good relationship with them. But you know, why didn't they think of me in this time? Why didn't they do something like that? And it gets them to question. So your relationship is only as strong as kind of that most recent period of time that either the world has gone through or that your client has gone through. And so you want to make sure that you're constantly communicating with them. And I think that that's what this millennial generation gets. They understand that and they see it within their own interactions with social media and their friends and everything of that nature. And so they take that. That's the only thing they know. And so they're trying to figure out how to do that. And yes, they may have a smaller book of business so they can do it. And so that's the challenge that I would propose to financial advisor firms is if you haven't fully integrated your processes, your teams and your technology, then doing that constant communication is going to be really, really tough. And and clients are going to ultimately expect it more and more and more. And so both in the good and the bad times. So the takeaway is that we got to figure out how to integrate our technologies, integrate our processes so that we are able to do that and constantly communicate and take that lesson from the millennial generation of advisors and implement it into the way that all of our advisors work, no matter if the relationship is one day old or 15 years old, having that constant communication can be really, really valuable to not only keeping and retaining clients during these tough times and good times, but also increasing that referral number and boosting growth going forward. I think that's something really valuable to take away. And the third thing I take away, and this is something that I've continuously you know, search for. And I don't, I, I have an answer that I've come to, but I, it's an evolving answer. And a lot of financial advisors, if you're listening to this and many financial advisors in the industry are like, well, we'll just get back to going to being normal, right? We'll get back to in-person meetings. We'll get back to having our entire teams in the office. And we, we'll just do things the way that we were, even maybe sending paper statements out again. Maybe we'll go back to that, some advisors would think. And so every conference that I've gone to over the past 12 to 15 years has always been around, you got to change. If you don't change now, you're not going to be around, right? But the financial advisor industry just hasn't changed. And so the question I've been like mulling over constantly is why now? Why are financial advisors going to change, right? When we look at 10 years, a lot of people are saying you're going to be different. You see a lot of studies of what it's going to be in 2030, the financial advisor of the future and everything of that nature. And so the question really is, is, you know, why will financial advisors change now or this time around? And I think it comes to really two things. I think that we are going to be forced as an industry by our employees and our clients because of the situation and what they've experienced are going to force the financial advisory industry to change. Employees are going to force change or they'll leave. 
right? Employees are going to force their firms to adopt more and better and more innovative technology. And if they don't, if the management of that firm doesn't, they're going to leave. And you saw that from some of those stats within the FA Magazine article. And if they leave, that's the most difficult spot to fill. Filling people in this industry is really, really difficult. It's becoming harder by the day. It's becoming more expensive. And so that can be a detriment to the industry and to your firm. And so if you don't start changing and you start losing people, then you're going to be forced to change not only to attract new people, but also just to make sure that you don't have to continuously find new people going forward. So internally, employees are going to force the change of the industry and their firms going forward as well. The second is going to be the clients. And clients are going to require there to be change because now they see the opportunity via the pandemic of what the potential could be. I constantly go back to this quote, if Henry Ford were to ask everybody what they wanted, they would say a faster horse. Instead, he built the car. Why would they say a faster horse? Because they didn't even know the car was an option. And clients didn't even know some of the options that they would have with their financial advisor and how it would deal with their relationship prior to the pandemic. And now during the pandemic, they're seeing it. They're seeing that some of the ways that they're interacting with their advisor is similar to the way that they interact with other service providers, and they kind of like it. And they kind of find it you know, more accessible and, and easier. And that's not saying that all financial advisors are going to have all of their meetings with all of their clients via video or digitally, or they're just going to have more digital interactions like text messaging with all their clients. But even if it's 50% of their clients, think about the scale and the capacity and the capability that that provides the firm. But think about what that means to the clients. They feel a more valuable relationship. They don't have to drive into the office. They don't have to get dressed up. They can sit at their house with their cup of coffee and have a conversation with their financial advisor. And so clients are going to now require more and more technology to stay on top of things and be more communicated with. And they're going to expect more services and more value and more servicing because those advisors that did it during this period of time, they're like, wow, they can do it. And they they do leverage technology the right way. And if they didn't see within their own financial advisor relationship, their friends definitely saw it. And people are going to be talking about it because those are the things that people talk about in their social circles because it doesn't deal about with money and the psychology and the taboo idea of talking about money. You can talk about the experience, how it made you feel, what your advisor did for you. And that's the stuff that they talk about. And that's the stuff that ultimately gets people to start shifting and moving between financial advisors. And so that's going to be one leader of clients. But then the second thing I think is that the barriers to entry is going to continue to get smaller and smaller because you have these larger RIA firms that allow you to plug and play that are investing in technology to make it simpler, which means that there's going to be more and more lifestyle financial advisors, which means that clients are going to spread across and say, well, this client, this person I'm really close with. And so in order for you to retain them, you have to provide more services, more value and more servicing just to retain the client and investing in technology and process improvement and focusing on a culture of learning is going to be essential to that. And I think that because clients are our crown jewel as a financial advisor firm and people within our firm are, are kind of our most prized possession to help us build the firm and serve our clients in a better way. And if we start seeing that clients are leaving and people inside of our firm are one or the other or both, then that's going to cause us to change because it's it's costly to replace a new client. It's costly to replace a new employee. And it's hard to scale up and down inside of periods of disruption. I think that that's something that I took away from the McKinsey study of the four lessons learned from the pandemic is scaling up and down is really difficult when you're in the midst of a pandemic. And if you think about a financial advisory firm, our firms are built on people, right? We're built on relationships. And it's hard to scale up and down a relationship because if you just go and let go of people during a pandemic, 
it's hard to go and find them and bring them back on when things get better. And we all know things will get better. And so the question is, how do we get over that? And I think that that gets into kind of three action points that we can take away as advisors and as an industry to better ourselves from this. And one is take this opportunity to look at one process you're doing today, just one process, and see if you can eliminate one task within that process. Either automate something away from a human by creating an efficiency in your CRM or leveraging your marketing automation system or your portfolio management system or leveraging scheduled emails within your Outlook, whatever it may be, find one process you're doing and just eliminate one task within that process because that's going to help with the scaling of up and down, right? If we can start automating some things, then now we're freeing up time and it's easier to scale up and down with automation than it is with just actual human beings. Second is analyze all of your technologies and list out what you're using each of them for and determine whether they are still needed and use this as like a mini SWOT, like strength, weakness, opportunities, threats, analysis to determine where holes may be within your current technology stack. Because here's the thing, as financial advisors, we're not grown to be technologists. We're not grown to understand how to implement and adopt and analyze and assess new technologies. And so what we tend to do is we just go and we're easy to get sold on technology because we think that it's going to be the silver bullet, but they're not, they're never the silver bullet. We never adopt the utilization of technologies fully is so low within the financial advisory industry that we just go adopt and then we get frustrated. And then we ultimately have this kind of bloated technology stack that's not adding any value to our firm or we're not getting the fullest potential or the most out of each of the technology. And so doing this type of analysis allows you to see what technologies you're using that you may not need anymore because you're not using them that well, which technologies you're using but not using well enough, and then starts allowing you to figure out how to integrate those te technologies together. So this is a specific task. Just go do that SWOT analysis and maybe see if you can eliminate or combine what you're doing to multiple technologies into one so that you get a just clear, defined technology stack. And the third thing is, is did you communicate with your clients more than two times during the pandemic? If you did, then how did you do that? What was, what was the effectiveness of it? How can you do that going forward? And if you didn't, then I think you've communicated my opinion too little with them during that period of time. And so what I would challenge firms to do is if you did communicate with them two times, then take this upcoming election as an opportunity for you to replicate what you did during the pandemic during the next two to three month period, because that is going to be the, the we all know the election is going to be top of mind for the clients. Even if we try to downplay it for our clients, that is just going to be top of mind. It's a, it's a big event that's going to be on their heads. And so clients will have worries. So figure out how to replicate that. And if you didn't communicate more than two times during the pandemic, figure out how you can implement a process and in a way to communicate with your clients at least two times during this period of two to three months when the election is going to be top of mind because it's going to reap rewards. It's going to allow you to think through a process. It's going to allow you to implement. It's going to allow you to look back and learn from it and then do it again in the coming year. So that you're starting to build these processes that can be replicated and you have them running and humming so that when things hit the fan, you're already ready to go. And I think that those are three takeaways. Automate one process or one task within a process. Analyze your technologies. Try to eliminate one of them if you can or, or combine them. See where your, where your holes are. And then figure out a communication strategy and start to implement that. So I'll close with this. COVID-19, the pandemic has been something that has impacted so many people across the globe. And it's been a whirlwind of, of an impact. And some people have been impacted more than others. Some businesses have been impacted more than others. But what I take away from COVID-19 and this pandemic in this period of time, if I look back at it and I were just to self-assess, is what it's done for me 
And what it's done for my businesses is it's made us slow down as an individual and simplify our lives. We were running way too fast. We were so complicated and complex in what we were doing that what this led us to do is just to slow down and simplify. And so if there's a silver lining from a business standpoint, it's been a whirlwind. And now though, because of that focus on slowing down and simplifying, which I'm sure everybody has done in their lives, we've realized what's important. Now within our business lives, we have the opportunity to do the same thing. We have the opportunity to plan. We have the opportunity to learn. We have the ability to go out and set up a game plan. We're still in the moment that we remember the feelings, we remember the decisions we had to make. We're able to look back and say, was that the right decision or wrong decision? It doesn't matter whether it was right or wrong. It's an analysis that allows us to position ourselves for the future and allows us to position ourselves for the next time, to allow us to position ourselves to be better, not only as a firm, but better for our clients and better as an industry as we move forward. And so no matter what the cause is of the next time the power goes out, we want to make sure that our checklist is as spot on as possible to ensure that we are serving our clients in that period of time to the best of our capabilities and our capabilities continue to get better and better and better as we go through these experiences. And so if you believe that this type of experience will never happen again, now I hope that a COVID-19 pandemic doesn't ever happen again in our lifetime, but the likelihood of something happening in the macro world, whether it's a pandemic, it's a market crash, or whatever it may be, or, or a deep recession, something is going to happen. Your clients are going to expect for you to be able to adapt and push forward and continue to make sure that they are the most important thing in your mind at that time. And that comes with transparency, constant communication, integrated technologies, and the tools to make an amazing client experience for the clients in that period of time and also in the good. And so if you think it'll never happen again, I challenge you on that. And I, I challenge you to reassess your stance because we all know, if we've been in the industry before, that it will happen again. And it's the firms that take the period of time when things are good to reassess and implement, iterate and learn again and then do it again that are going to succeed. And so today, try to take one of those action steps and you will be positioning your firm to bridge the gap between where you are today and where we will be in the future. Again, I'm so appreciative of every single one of you that have listened to this podcast. I thank you for taking time out of your day to learn more about how we can bridge the gap between our industry today and where it's going to be in the future and continue to push forward, iterate a little bit more and expand on how we always are focusing on what the biggest and most important aspect of this business is. And that's the end client and the relationship that each advisor has with them. Have an amazing day. Stay well, be well. and We will talk again soon. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Bridging the Gap. Don't forget to give us a rating and let us know what you think. 